Hello, and welcome to the Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast. I am your host, the anxiety nutritionist, gut and hormonal health expert, yoga and meditation teacher, spin addict, and cat mom, Taylor Jandro. This podcast is designed to show you how to relieve and resolve your chronic anxiety through the powerful combination of food, lifestyle changes, nutraceuticals, gut and hormonal health optimization, nervous system regulation, yoga, meditation, mindset, lifestyle coaching, and so much more. And today is another Ask Me Anything About Anxiety episode. So if you are new, if this is the first AMA episode you're listening to, every third episode of the Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast is an Ask Me Anything About Anxiety episode meaning you can ask me anything. All you need to do is submit your question or questions with as much context as possible. The more context, the more information, the better in the form linked in the show notes of this episode. These questions will be answered anonymously, but please do provide your email address as requested on the forum so my amazing podcast manager can email you to let you know when your question is answered. I'm hoping to get to two to four questions every AMA episode because you will see or you will hear as you listen to this episode that I give a lot of background and I give a lot of context to your questions, to my answers to your questions so that I can provide you with as much support as possible. If your question isn't answered on this episode, do not worry. It is on the list and it will be answered in future Ask Me Anything episodes. Okay, let's dive in. I got two questions about the famous castor oil packs I am always talking about. So question one is, what's the deal with those castor oil packs you're always talking about? And question two, when starting castor oil packs, how often should you do them and for how long? I have heard that starting with too much at once can cause a reaction in some people like die off or detox reaction. And of course, I feel anxious about this possibility. Okay, two amazing questions. I cannot wait to answer them. So I'm going to kind of, my answer is going to answer both of these things. And buckle up because castor oil packs are one of my favorite things to talk about. The one specifically that I'm always talking about and I'm always using, I use it every single night except when I'm in my period, is the Queen of Thrones Liver Kit Castor Oil Pack. And for anyone listening who hasn't heard of this before, I do have a discount link for this specific pack. It's linked in the show notes of this episode. So a few weeks ago, there was this, um, I can't remember if it was a reel or a meme going around, and it was wives asking their husbands what their least attractive piece of clothing was. So naturally I asked Steve and he was like, you're everything when you go to bed, which I thought was so hilarious because I'm definitely, I definitely don't look cute when I go to bed. I sleep with, I, with my casserole pack. So it's wrapped around half my lower body. And I wear this baggy t-shirt tucked into either boxers or like it's freezing outside now. So PJ pants as a way to uh, protect the mattress from the casserole pack because I like to stretch it out and wash it kind of as little as possible. And I I personally don't care if some gets on the mattress. Um, It's just a mattress. No one's looking at it. And my health is more important, but Steve cares. So (laughs) 
I have, I actually have a, a towel like underneath the fitted sheet. And then I, I wear these multiple layers of clothing on top just to kind of that added layer of protection. I also sleep with mouth tape and eye mask, my hair up in a bun. Uh, eventually I want to get blue light blocking glasses as well. I do have a red light lamp beside my bed. Um, if I had my way, our household would have like those red light bulbs or be completely candlelight after the sun goes down and no TV or anything with blue light. But, uh, you know, Steve would not agree to that. So that's fine. <laughs> but for now, this is my entire kind of nighttime look. And so I do not look cute when I'm going to bed. But sleep is the single most important thing for your overall health and wellness, and I am not messing around. I actually learned about the amazing healing power of casserole packs back in 2015 when I was in school, but it just seemed like so messy and like so much work that I kind of tucked it away as a later thing until about two years ago when the Queen of Thrones pack was introduced to me and I have been using it ever since because it is so easy. So the the OG way, the do-it-yourself way, which you can totally do, is to cut a wool or like organic cotton flannel into rectangular pieces about 12 inches by 10 inches kind of thing. And then you're going to use three to four of these pieces of cloth to make pack so you're going to pour castor oil into a container should always be glass never plastic and you you will completely soak the the pieces of either wool or or this organic cotton flannel whatever you're using completely soak them in the castor oil and then once these are completely soaked you're going to use tongs to pick up the cloth that should be like dripping with castor oil and then you're laying it like on this plastic sheet like saran wrap kind of thing sorry you're going to put these pieces not on the saran wrap you're going to put them you're going to lie down on a large towel or sheet so something that's going to catch all this castor oil castor oil drops and then you're going to place the castor oil like these castor oil soaked sheets basically on the area of your body that you're looking to target so the liver and then you're wrapping your body in this like saran wrap basically to minimize the mess and to keep it all in place. And then you lie down there, you can apply some heat and you basically lie down on maybe a few layers of towels that you've put on the bed for about an hour. So this is how like I learned to use them. And like I said, it just felt like a lot of work. It felt messy. And I like to keep things as simple as possible. The more complicated it gets, the less likely I'm going to execute on it. Enter the Queen of Thrones castor oil pack, which is so easy and effortless. It's literally just two steps. So you place the castor oil on the like beautiful soft cotton of this pack, and then you place the pack on your liver or any other, any other area. Sometimes I have my clients rotate between like their abdomen and their liver, and then you wear it for an hour or you can wear it overnight. I like to wear it overnight. So this is obviously way easier, way less messy. Um, and the pack itself is like this, just so soft, this beautiful, like cotton Sherpa, I think it is. And it just feels so nice. And then I buy the castor oil from them as well, because I know that they're 
sourcing the cleanest, purest castor oil. It's 100% pure, certified organic, hexane-free, which is really important. If you are just looking to buy your own castor oil, make sure it's hexane-free. It's cold press, extra virgin, always, always bottled in glass. And you can buy castor oil at almost every health food store, but just make sure it has all of the things that I mentioned and never in a plastic bottle. Like so many times it comes in a plastic bottle and I don't know why. A castor oil pack is not a supplement. It's a tool or like a ritual kind of, especially if you're using it every single night before bed. It's one of the oldest, most healing rituals in the world. It's been used from traditional Chinese medicine to Indian Ayurveda to modern naturopathic medicine. And it can help with so many things like so many conditions, hormonal imbalances, PCOS, um, menopause, estrogen dominance, constipation, diarrhea, bloating, indigestion, IBS, colitis, Crohn's disease, insomnia, uh, stress reduction, anxiety, depression, ADHD, back to period stuff, period regulation, endometriosis, ovarian cysts, fibroids, fibrocystic breasts. You could actually like put the casserole pack on your breasts, uh, thyroid issues. So hypothyroid, Hashimoto's, thyroiditis, a thyroid nodules. The, this company, the queen of thrones actually sells a, a little thyroid pack, liver cleansing and detox. It helps to reduce inflammation, helps with arthritis, joint pain. There's just so many things that it can help with. And since this is a podcast about relieving and resolving chronic anxiety, let's look at it through the filter of, our mental health and how it can help reduce anxiety. And it does this in five main ways. Number one, it's helping to regulate bowel movements. Number two, it helps to reduce inflammation. Number three, supports liver cleansing and boosts our antioxidant status in the body. Number four, it's supporting the balance of our gut microbiome because remember, chronic anxiety is a symptom. It's not a personality trait. It's not an incurable disease. It's not something that you just have to learn how to manage. It's not just an emotion. It's not an overreaction. It's a symptom with multiple root causes. And some of those root causes are inflammation, an overworked liver that needs support, and an imbalance in our gut microbiome. So a casserole pack is directly supporting the root cause which is what my work and practice is all about. We don't chase symptoms in my world. We dig deep, we find the root causes, we rebalance the body on a cellular level, and this is how we release symptoms. Not a quick fix, it's a permanent fix, and that takes time. And then number five, <laughs> went on a little tangent there, is it helps to move the body into a more relaxed state, which of course is gonna help reduce stress and anxiety. So the casserole pack is a system that foundationally balances digestion. It helps with absorption and elimination so that all of the healthy food that you're eating and even the supplements that you're taking actually work better and faster. If digestion is compromised, throwing a bunch of supplements at your body isn't going to do much and dietary changes alone are only going to get you so far. This is, why you, this is why you may feel like you eat pretty well, but you still have anxiety. That's because it's not actually just about what you're eating. It's about whether your body is properly digesting, absorbing, and assimilating what you're eating. You are not just what you eat. You are what you digest, absorb, assimilate, detox, poop out. <laughs> Think of your digestive tract like a, a toy factory. So 
a toy is built like piece by piece as it goes along the conveyor belt, right? And if there's a breakdown somewhere along the production line, the toy won't be successfully assembled and it won't work properly. So the same thing is happening inside of your body, but instead of toys, it's hormones and neurotransmitters that aren't being assembled. So just because you ate something doesn't mean it's being digested. It doesn't mean that it's being broken down into pieces that your body can actually digest, then absorb, then assimilate, then turn into hormones and the neurotransmitters that we need to keep anxiety far, far away. And it's very commonly accepted that anxiety is a symptom of a neurotransmitter imbalance, but why? Why are our neurotransmitters out of balance? And this is what a lot of people aren't asking. You either aren't getting enough proteins and vitamins and minerals that your body needs to build neurotransmitters, or you are eating enough of that stuff, but your food isn't being properly digested and absorbed. Most of the time, it's actually both. I work with a lot of women who at first glance, when you look at what they're eating, it looks good. And then when you dig into it a little bit more, you find out, okay, they're eating a little bit more gluten than they should, which makes a big difference to inflammation levels in the body. And they're not eating enough protein and they're not eating enough fiber. So yes, you have a neurotransmitter imbalance that is creating your anxiety, but the reason you have that neurotransmitter imbalance has everything to do with what is going on in your gut. So let's take a deeper dive into these five main categories I mentioned earlier. How is this casserole pack helping to regulate bowel movements? First, if you are not having a well-formed bowel movement every 12 to 24 hours, you have gut work to do, my friend. And a well-formed bowel movement is a type two, a type three, not a type two, <laughs> a type three or a type four on the Bristol stool chart. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, Google Bristol stool chart. So B-R-I-S-T-O-L stool chart. And take a look at that and use that as a marker because that's going to tell you so much about what's going on with your health. Also, if you aren't having a bowel movement in general every 12 to 24 hours, no matter what it looks like on the Bristol stool chart, you are clinically constipated, which is going to impact your hormones and the overall toxin level in the body. You know, I get a lot of people asking me, what do I need to take to balance my hormones? And my first question is always, what are your bowel movements like? You can throw all the hormone balancing supplements at your body that you want, but if you aren't having good quality, consistent bowel movements, those supplements aren't going to do much. And sometimes they can actually make the situation worse. A study at an old age home showed that casserole packs help relieve constipation just as well as conventional laxatives. And conventional laxatives are actually very harsh on digestion. So we would like to avoid those as much as possible. And the reason that casserole packs are working just as well is because the active component of castor oil, which is called ricinoleic acid, is anti-inflammatory and it stimulates something called our prostaglandin receptors and these receptors are what helps to move the smooth muscle of the uterus and the intestines. One of my favorite things about wearing a casserole liver pack is that as soon as you place it on your body, it helps to move your body into the parasympathetic nervous system so the rest and digest. In today's world, we are most of us are just like stuck in this sympathetic kind of fight or flight. We're stuck in this state of stress, which we have to actively work to get out of almost every single day. 
And this just compounds and adds to the problem of going to the bathroom. If we are in fight or flight, we're not going to be able to go to the bathroom as well. So the soft compress of a pack of this specific pack, like on your skin helps to stimulate the release of feel good hormones like dopamine and oxytocin. Oxytocin is the love hormone, uh, which promotes deeper sleep, relaxation, and just an overall feeling of satisfaction. Plus, oxytocin naturally decreases our stress hormone, cortisol. And when cortisol is low, our levels of progesterone are naturally higher. And progesterone is needed for healthy bowel movements and for good hormone balancing. So this, I'm kind of talking about point one and point five here of, okay, how does this pack help to stimulate bowel movements? And also how is it helping to move our body into a more relaxed state, which of course is going to reduce overall stress and anxiety. So point one and five just covered. Point two, reducing inflammation. If you follow me on my Instagram stories, you'll see that I post a lot of information about inflammation and the importance of reducing inflammation. P.S. If you don't watch my stories, I highly recommend you do. (laughs) I share the most on my stories, I would say, other than, of course, this podcast, but my stories are almost daily. Um, And this podcast is every two weeks for now. And I really only have, you know, the time and capacity to post on my Instagram feed maybe three times a week, two or three times a week. And while the info is obviously really good, um, my stories are definitely the place to be at this podcast. But really, I cannot say this enough. Inflammation is at the root of everything. And your gut is the biggest source of inflammation. And by the time a, a symptom or a disease or a disorder manifests inflammation has been in the body for years prior. Like you don't just go from being perfectly fine and having no diagnosis or disease or symptom or whatever you want to call it. And then bam, all of a sudden something is wrong. Even if you can point to an event that triggered the anxiety, that was just like the straw that broke the camel's back for years. I thought this mainly because that's what I was told by, you know, other mental health professionals, by my doctor, I was working through two kind of traumatic events I had experienced that I thought triggered the onset of the anxiety and panic. One being the death of a family member to suicide. And then shortly after that, I started experiencing panic, uh, panic attacks at my first panic attack. That's really what I thought for a long time brought on my anxiety. And then I was just kind of stuck with this anxiety and panic disorder after these kind of two big events that happened. But then why wasn't the medication or the therapy working? If it was all just brought on by my trauma or that stressful, stressful situation or a few specific stressful situation and triggering events, then why wouldn't the therapy work for that? Or why was the medication not working for that? And it's because stress on that level impacts the body physiologically. So now the body's involved, your gut and your hormones are involved and therefore therefore, they need to be addressed. And your gut, as I mentioned, and will probably mention a million more times is the biggest source of inflammation. You cannot tamper down inflammation without addressing both diet and gut health. And a casserole pack is a beautiful tool to help 
while you also work on addressing diet and gut health. Because to be super duper 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 clear, a casserole pack on its own is not going to replace dietary changes or other digestive support interventions. It is just a complement. It is in addition to. Okay, let's talk about how the casserole pack can support liver cleansing um, and detox, how it can help boost antioxidant status. And these two things together in combination are going to help to really reduce inflammation in the body. So cleansing and detoxing has become so popular. I get a lot of questions like, should I do a detox? How often should I detox, etc.? And there's not really a black or white kind of one size fits all answer for that. Um, it would definitely depend on the person. For example, if somebody was on birth control, I would have them do, and this was a client of mine, I would recommend a gentle liver detox every three to four months. But in general, let's say the average person who um, is experiencing chronic anxiety and is not on birth control, that I would recommend testing for parasites at least yearly and heavy metals and you know potential mold uh, toxicity and exposure things like that and then working through a detox protocol based on the results of those tests um, but i do not recommend detoxing to retox and that's kind of what our culture is obsessed with like i'm just gonna eat whatever i want and drink whatever i want and not look at how my lifestyle is impacting my health but it's okay because i do a detox a few times a year i call this yo-yo detoxing it's just like yo-yo dieting you go on and off and on and off on and off which is actually not getting you any closer to your health goals Instead, why not build a sustainable diet and lifestyle that you don't need to detox from? Your body is naturally built to detox and drain. We just need to support that natural function and stop getting in the way. Now, I'm not saying you can never indulge. I indulge from time to time. There is food for nutrition and food for pleasure, and there can be a really beautiful balance of both. As long as we make sure to balance and support our bodies throughout. So if you aren't detoxing daily, and by that, I mean if you don't have a diet and lifestyle that supports your detox and digestive organs, then you're accumulating daily. And once your bucket is full, like imagine, you know, those little buckets that you make sandcastles out of the beach and you're putting water in it and you're putting water in it. Eventually the bucket's going to overflow, right? Same thing in the body. Like the more we're accumulating, accumulating toxins, the more we're not properly detoxing and clearing our hormones, the more stress and trauma and dietary choices, they're all adding to this bucket. And then eventually the bucket's going to overflow. And then we're going to get uncomfortable symptoms like anxiety. And chronic anxiety can absolutely be a symptom of sluggish detox and drainage. And a key player here is the liver. Now, there is our master detoxification agent called glutathione, and this helps to move most, if not all, of these toxins and harmful substances out of our body. Glutathione also helps to massively reduce inflammation in the body, but it can become depleted very easily, and unfortunately, 
there aren't many food sources or ways to get more. Now, castor oil has been shown in studies to effectively preserve the glutathione levels, improving the elimination of toxins. So castor oil packs worn over the liver nightly help to promote these healthy levels of that master detoxification agent that we want. And this is to help keep our detox mechanisms running smoothly. And do you know how else you can increase glutathione? By eating more protein. <laughs> I'm going to sound like such a broken record here, but I will die on this hill. 90 grams of protein a day, minimum, 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 ladies. Honestly, I, I like to see people eating more than that. I eat around 100 to 130 a day, but as a starting point, let's all just get to 90. Amino acids are the natural precursors from the food that we eat for liver support, for this master detoxifying agent. I also really like the supplement NAC. The one I like is in my supplement shops, which are linked in the show notes. This is also an immediate precursor to glutathione. But as always, whenever I mention supplements or anything on this podcast, it is for general information and educational purposes only. And the advice and the recommendations I give throughout the episodes, they're never replacing medical advice. The consumption of this podcast does not qualify as a practitioner-client relationship with me, and the use and the implementation of the information I discuss are at the sole discretion of the listener. I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist, so just keep that in mind. Okay, so the next category, how does the castor oil pack support the balance of our gut microbiome? Have you ever heard of biofilm? So biofilm is the sticky, slimy substance that opportunistic or pathogenic bacteria or parasites can produce to protect themselves from being killed off. Some of them actually live in the biofilm. And think of this as like that kind of slimy stuff that clogs the drain in your sink or the plaque that forms on your teeth, that's a form of biofilm, or the slimy coating that you find on like stones in a paw in ponds, it's kind of like that. And there aren't many natural substances that have the ability to break down this gunk essentially, but castor oil is been scientifically proven to be one of the things that can do this. So one of the ways nightly use of these packs can help to improve the microbiome of the gut is by breaking down these biofilms so that the opportunistic bacteria or the quote unquote bad guys have nothing to hide behind and they can be removed from the body more easily. Have you ever heard of candida overgrowth? So candida is a yeast that is naturally occurring uh, in our body and, and in some ways it's very supportive, but it's when it overgrows that we have this candida overgrowth and we can experience symptoms like bloating, gas, uh, constipation, foggy brain, memory fog, trouble concentrating, anything with the skin ever like psoriasis, eczema, acne, rashes, dryness, redness, itchiness, um, a white coating on your tongue, especially in the morning, chronic yeast infections, chronic UTIs, and of course, anxiety and depression. So not only is castor oil pack breaking down this biofilm that candida is producing, but it's 
also stimulating nitric oxide production. And nitric oxide is a natural anti-aging molecule that blocks the yeast overgrowth, so the candida overgrowth. Plus, it also improves circulation. So to summarize, the castor oil packs are helping us to get a deep sleep, which I actually didn't dive into kind of the how that's happening, but they really can help give us a nice deep sleep. I notice a difference now in my sleep as when I wear the pack and when I don't wear the pack. It helps to improve digestion, absorption, and elimination. It helps to enhance the antioxidant levels and the elimination of toxins. It helps to reduce inflammation and to kind of alkalinize the body. Oh, say that five times fast. <laughs> Balance your microbiome. It's also helping to do that and breaking down biofilm. And in addition, it's supporting our mental health in other ways. So supporting our mental health by providing these root cause solutions. And then it's also supporting our mental health by activating our parasympathetic nervous system and putting our body into a relaxed state. It's also giving us the space to wind down. Like this is where I said at the top of this, that it's a ritual in some ways. Like to me, I really see it as a ritual of like pouring my castor oil on, putting the pack on, going to bed. It's like, it's giving my body that space to wind down and allowing me to spend a little bit more time with my body. Um, definitely, definitely helps me sleep better, which is going to help so much with our mental health. And it's one simple and positive thing that we can do for our health every single night. It's a wonderful form of self-care. Now, big disclaimer here, um, do not use this if you are pregnant. If you are trying to conceive, if you're trying to conceive, you can wear the castor oil pack every night from day one of your menstruation up until ovulation. So it's important to know kind of when you're ovulating then stop wearing it for the luteal phase. And as soon as you bleed again, you can go back to the castor oil liver pack every night. Fun fact, my mom actually induced me with castor oil. I was an August baby. Well, I am an August baby, uh, which is the hottest month where we live. And she was just done. She was done. She wanted me out. It's not uncommon for midwives to give women castor oil to drink in the late, 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 late stages of pregnancy to induce labor. And this is because castor oil is a, um, it's a stimulant laxative when taken orally and it's thought to stimulate the uterine contractions. So for this reason, do not use the castor oil pack during pregnancy. So you might be like, okay, why can I not just run rub castor oil pack on my skin? Simply rubbing the oil, let's say on your belly or over your liver, and then just throwing like an old t-shirt over top, which you can totally do. This is called like the lazy woman's castor oil pack. It will give you about 50% of the benefits. The castor oil pack is equally important part of the process because of that soft compression of the pack on the skin. This is really what's promoting the release of the feel-good hormones like oxytocin and dopamine. And this is what's helping to move your body into that relaxed parasympathetic state and in that state, that's when we're going to see the most benefit to our liver, the most benefit in reducing inflammation, the most benefit um, in supporting detox.
Okay, so now to answer like the second part of the question, you know, how often should I do them? How long should I do them? Am I going to experience detox reactions? I like my clients to wear them every single night if they can. And you can actually wear it during your period. Um, For me, the reason I don't wear it during my period is because it just doesn't really fit into my routine, I guess. I wear the like NYX period panties. And so if I were to use the castor oil pack, I would have to put like those panties on top and they're extremely absorbent and I just change them once a day. And so I would just have to change them more if I used the the pack during my period. And that's the only reason I don't. So you absolutely can use them during your period. I just don't because I don't know. I, I just like they don't work. They don't work with my period panties, I guess. I could just change them more, but that's my own personal reason for not doing it. So can you experience die-off or detox reactions? For sure. So these are called Herx reactions and they're short-term, but short-term means that they could last for a few days, up all the way up to a few weeks, and they're detox reactions in the body. So as the body is detoxing, you may or may not, it's not uncommon to experience um, like flu-like symptoms, to feel like you're coming down with something, to have headaches, uh, maybe some increase in joint muscle pain, body aches, sore throat, just a general like not feeling too great, Um, maybe sweating, some chills, nausea, kind of symptoms like that. Now, first and foremost, these symptoms are signs that your body has a lot of toxins and stuff that needs to find its way out. So it means that you're on the right track, even though it's it's uncomfortable. And a die-off or detox reaction, so a Herx reaction, it's not, it's not dangerous. It's just uh, extremely uncomfortable, as I mentioned. And as somebody who used to feel anxious about literally everything, I totally get where you're coming from. So my advice is just to always, always, always go low and slow at a pace that you are comfortable with, which might mean trying it once a week for like one hour before bed. And then maybe a few after a few weeks of doing that, it feels good to increase it to two times a week. And maybe you're only doing it for that one hour before bed two times a week. And then you build up from there to bringing it in every single night. A lot of people who start using castor oil packs will experience the benefits immediately, like these amazing deep restful sleeps, these regular bowel movements, you know, better digestion, less bloating, less heartburn, and just general feelings of more relaxation. But everybody's different. So for some, it may take weeks to experience these benefits. And for some, it could even take months to experience the benefits. So just because you're not experiencing these benefits right away doesn't mean that they're not coming. When the body is imbalanced, it has taken a long time to get there. So it can sometimes take a while for the body to rebalance, for that foundation to rebalance. The level of Herx reaction you will experience will depend on the level of imbalance within the gut. Do you have gut pathogens? Do you have candida? What's going on with the liver? So it's completely dependent on the person. When I started using them, um, I had two or three nights maybe of wonky sleep. The first night for sure. And I, th- I think I had two nights of like just not a good sleep and I don't have issues with my sleep. So this can absolutely happen. But then I have friends and, and colleagues and clients who haven't noticed any changes in their sleep at all. If anything, right from the first night, they noticed it helped improve sleep. 
I had one client experience uh, a little bit of gas and bloating when she started using them, but then it passed. I had another client experience like mild, mild, mild liver pain. It was like super mild, but it was definitely there and noticeable. And when we increased her um, liver support from like a supplement perspective, that passed. Okay. I have time for another question. Question three. I found out from a functional medicine doctor that there is inflammation in my stomach and it's really been bothering me lately and the anxiety has been really high. He recommended a detox kit for 14 days. It's a supply of shakes and supplements, but it was expensive. I didn't end up ordering it. He did a hair test, which included food and non-food sensitivities and showed me vitamin deficiencies. I haven't felt well. I have weaknesses, lightheadedness, and headaches. I'm really trying to feel better. Any suggestions you have would be appreciated. So I honestly don't understand, you know, how someone can recommend a 14-day detox. That is absolutely not enough time. It's kind of lazy medicine in my opinion, and in no way am I throwing shade at another practitioner. And who knows, there may have been a reason for this. Like I, I'm just going off of, you know, the few sentences of this question, but I really just can't wrap my head around the like only a 14-day detox. And it sucks because this is why people think, oh, this natural stuff doesn't work because, you know, they didn't take the right stuff in the right dose for the right amount of, amount of time or in the right order. There really is like a hierarchy um, to healing, for lack of a better word. And if that isn't followed, of course, we're not going to see the results that we want. So the only time that I've ever had a client do a 14-day detox, like for example, is if the client was on birth control. So every three to four months, we'll do like a gentle 14-day liver detox. But this is also in addition to the other daily dietary and lifestyle, um, liver support strategies that they're doing or, or should be doing at least, or hopefully doing (laughs) every single day. So let's break down this question a little bit. First thing I want to know is what is causing this inflammation in the stomach. The first thing I think of is H. pylori. So have you been tested for that, um, by a function, by this functional practitioner? You didn't say that in your, in your question. So maybe you were, maybe you weren't. is that what the 14 day detox was for? Um, because if it was for H pylori, that's definitely not a long enough time in my opinion. So for those listening who might be like, what the heck is H pylori? Uh, H pylori is notoriously known in the functional health community as the most successful pathogen in human history. And the reason why is because this little bugger affects two thirds of the world's population. And it's really found a way to thrive and no one in the medical community seems to like care about it that much. Uh, but I do <laughs> and you should as well. Um, especially if you're like trying all the things like therapy, the medication, the meditation, the exercise, and you still have anxiety. Uh, it's way more likely that it's coming from your physical body, um, and not actually from your mind. And so H. pylori is definitely something that I would look into. It's highly contagious via saliva. So it spreads like wildfire through families just think of everyone you've like kissed or shared a straw or a utensil with or shared a, a you know a drink with. And so reoccurrence, so it coming back is really high because it's often not addressed in the correct order. And there's a few ways that H. pylori can impact anxiety. Well, there's many ways that H. pylori can 
impact anxiety levels. But to break it down for you a little bit, it massively decreases stomach acid, which then goes on to to reduce the digestion and assimilation of protein. And then when this happens, our natural neurotransmitter production is also going to be decreased because they're made up of proteins. And then this is how we're going to end up deficient in serotonin or GABA. GABA is quite literally, it's the anti-anxiety uh, neurotransmitter. And if we produce enough GABA, it would actually be impossible to feel anxious. Um, another reason that H. pylori is impacting anxiety levels is when the protein digestion and assimilation is low, this also is going to impact how our hormones are being detoxed from the body because protein is needed for liver function. And we can't bring our hormones back into our alignment. We can't bring our hormones back into alignment and therefore release anxiety without supporting the liver. And then just one more example of how H. pylori impacts anxiety levels is it throws the doors of the digestive tract kind of wide open. And it says like, come on in parasites, because, you know, if we had enough stomach acid, they really wouldn't stand a chance. But H. pylori leaves us with a stomach that is just not acidic enough to do its job properly. And I have like a whole workshop. It's called how to eliminate common gut pathogens that create anxiety. If you want to dive deeper into this, I'll link that in the show notes. But medical testing for H. pylori is notoriously a false negative, And I wish I could better explain why. I don't know if it's like the methodology that they're using. Um, you know, I, I don't have access to that kind of information, but I have worked with so many clients now who have gotten tested by their GP or their medical doctor and told there's no H. pylori. And then when they went and got a GI mat from a naturopath or another functional practitioner, they were like lit up like a Christmas tree for H. pylori. And so I had asked a few of them like, hey, can you send me your results from your doctor? Because I just want to see like what they're looking at versus what something like the GI map is looking at where it's testing for all these different virulence factors. And depending on what virulence factor, which basically means how well is the organism going to be able to infect the host and kind of cause a, a disease or symptom, depending on what's going on there, we're going to see different things like inflammation, ulcers, things like that. And so that's why when you say inflammation in the stomach, I immediately think of H. pylori because almost all of the virulence factors for H. pylori cause gastric inflammation. And then the test results from the doctor, all that, all it'll say, or at least the ones that have been sent to me is it literally just says, you know, um, it's looking at the uh, antibody for H. pylori, the IgG antibody, and then it's saying like, okay, a negative result generally indicates that the client has not been infected, but it does not always rule out acute H. pylori infection. And then if you look at a GI map, it has like so much more information. Like, is this, is this person testing high for H. pylori? And then if so, what virulence factors are they actually testing for? And then what does this mean in terms of the what's going on in the stomach and therefore the course of action that we're going to take from like a supplement perspective? So if H. pylori is present, this needs to be addressed for sure. My recommendation is always going to be to do it naturally with, you know, very specific herbal combinations because 
herbs kill what need to be herbs kill what need to be killed while also supporting the gut and body at the same time versus antibiotics that are going to go in and they're going to kill everything good or bad and they're not supportive to the gut at all and it's actually going to increase inflammation but of course going the natural route is going to be more of a financial investment so either you go the natural route and you work with a practitioner who can guide you through that or you go to the doctor and you get antibiotics and then it's super important um to mitigate some of the damage that has been doing that is being done in the gut by taking antibiotics and so if funds are tight you know medical antibiotics might be your move but just be mindful that this is going to increase inflammation in the body so you want to look at diet and supplements that can reduce inflammation and repair the gut so examples of this is you 1000% need to be doubling up on a probiotic and taking something to support the integrity of the gut lining. So, you know, same disclaimer as above in the one at the end of my podcast, please. When I'm mentioning supplements for general information and educational purposes only, you know, I haven't done an intake with you. I do not know enough information to legally or ethically make exact supplement recommendations for you. So I'm just talking, you know, very generically, but some products I love for supporting the integrity of the gut lining, all of which can be found in my supplement shops uh, linked in the show notes, RGI Revive, love that product, Mega Mucosa, excellent product as well. You'll definitely want to be taking these two hours away, if not more, from the antibiotics. Doubling up on a probiotic, so taking double the normal daily dose you would take and, and taking that at least two hours, if not more, away from the antibiotics. We're trying to re-inoculate what the antibiotics are killing off. Also recommend increasing magnesium as antibiotics will throw off electrolyte imbalance in the body and deplete deplete magnesium. Uh, In addition, the way that antibiotics are targeting and destroying the bacteria, all bacteria, even good ones, is creating like this oxidative stress in the body, which increases inflammation if we don't have enough antioxidants. So the glutathione, that master antioxidant that I was talking about when I was talking about castor oil packs, um, vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin E, and zinc. Sometimes you can find this in a supplement called ACEs plus zinc. Um, NAC, which I did mention above as well when I was talking with castor oil packs, that is a great supplement uh, for supporting the glutathione levels in the body. So before going to school and learning this work, I used to get strep throat every single year, like maybe even twice a year. Um, my parents begged and begged the doctors to take my tonsils out, which they didn't. Thank goodness. I'm so glad now that they did it. Uh, you know, but they used to tell me that I was a carrier and that it was because my tonsils were too big, but really I had everything to do with the level of inflammation in my body and my gut health and the congestion in my elimination pathways. So anyway, Long story short, after two years of implementing everything I teach in my program, Breaking Up With Anxiety, I never got strep throat again. And you know what? It might happen in the future. I'm not ruling it out, but, um, oh no, wait, sorry. I, I wasn't getting strep throat every single year. And then years later, I did get strep throat one more time and then I got it. And then this time I went to the doctor and I was like armed with, you know, all my knowledge and all my education and all my background. And I asked her do I really need antibiotics for this? And to my surprise, she said, no. Now I'm not giving you medical advice. I'm not telling you what to do when you're sick. I'm just like sharing my experience. But she told me, this is a medical doctor. She said that the antibiotics for strep throat, they're not 
what they're doing is they're working to prevent like this really bad fever that could come as a side effect and that could be a dangerous situation, but they're not really doing anything to reduce the strep throat. So she was like, if I just go home and take care of myself the way I know how to take care of myself, then I'll be fine. And sure enough, I was. And then I haven't had strep throat again yet. Again, I'm never going to rule it off the table. But from someone who used to have them, who used to get it multiple times a year to the point where like my parents were begging my doctor to take out my tonsils to since 2015, only having it once isn't, that's crazy. I also used to get UTIs like crazy, like multiple, multiple times a year. And I can't even remember the last time I had one. Um, and if I did get one again, I would treat it naturally, but I would push for testing before and after just to make sure that it was, uh, actually cleared. So at the end of the day, it's going to depend on the doctor and what you're comfortable with. But if you take antibiotics, make sure that we're supporting the body and supporting the gut. So, when you say that your stomach has been bothering you lately, uh, I'm not really sure what you mean exactly. Like, what are your specific symptoms? Is it heartburn? Is it acid reflux? I would need to know more about this to speak to what could be done from like a root cause perspective, uh, but also for symptomatic support. So uh, because I don't know those specific symptoms about your stomach, um, except for the H. pylori stuff that I mentioned. Uh, I'm just going to speak to the other symptoms that you mentioned and break down some of the causative factors behind weakness, lightheadedness, and headaches. So number one, not eating enough protein. Um, but of course, if stomach acid is compromised, you will struggle to eat the amount of protein you need to, which is why we always have to address gut health. And when I say gut health, I mean stomach acid levels, liver function, supporting the lining of the digestive tract, specifically the small intestine, inflammation, um, gut dysbiosis. So that imbalance between the opportunistic bacteria and the beneficial bacteria, you know, are there gut pathogens, H. pylori, SIBO, candida, or parasites? This is what I mean when I say gut health. But there are a many number of things that can trigger headaches, um, headaches and migraines. So inflammation, either caffeine excess or withdrawals from caffeine, nutrient deficiencies like the B vitamins, magnesium, uh, an underactive thyroid, mitochondrial dysfunction, parasites, uh, food allergies or food sensitivities, constipation, stress, uh, an overworked liver, not getting enough sleep, uh, emotional changes, hormonal fluctuations, including estrogen, flashing lights for some people, lack of exercises, uh, dental, like some dental stuff. So, you know, is there a potential gum disease, tooth decay? Is there a bacterial infection in the mouth? Um, TMJ, low blood sugar, and the lower the blood sugar, the more severe the headaches or the migraines would be. So I would take a look at this list that I just mentioned and see where your areas of opportunity are. And if funds are, are tight, start with dietary and lifestyle changes. There is so much that we can be doing for free. The free stuff is just usually the hardest. It's easier to pay money for a supplement or a pill, but hard does not mean impossible. So to reduce inflammation and support your liver, you want to look at reducing and, and maybe removing, depending on the person, gluten, dairy, sugar, corn, and soy. And then you also want to look at increasing protein, fiber, and fat. You want to drink at least half your body weight in ounces of water. You want to prioritize sleep. Are you getting at least seven hours of sleep? 
if not nine or ten, uh, eight or nine, I mean, nine or ten, <laughs> that'd be great. I would love to get nine or ten hours of sleep, but eight or nine at the very, very least seven. Are you sleeping between the hours of 10 o'clock and 6 a.m. or 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. latest? Are you, uh, you can end your showers on cold or you can do cold plunging. This is really, really great to help reduce inflammation, breath work, meditation, free. There are tons of free stress reduction techniques. Do these every single day. One of the best things you can do to support optimal stomach acid is to work on your daily stress management. It's like hygiene. Like, do you shower every day? Do you brush your teeth every day? You should be working with your breath every day or meditating or doing something every single day to manage stress like a hygiene practice. For those listening who are like, I cannot meditate, you know, my anxious monkey mind is just all over the place, download my free movie meditation challenge. I'm going to link it in the show notes. My clients love this as a trick to, as a way to trick their anxious mind into meditating and into breathing. This is something that I had to do all those years ago as well, because I totally get (laughs) what it's like when anxiety is at an all-time high and you're just like, the last thing I can do is sit down and meditate like this, not happening. Movement. Movement is free. Are you moving your body every single day? Prioritize getting outside for a walk, rain or shine. There is no bad weather. There is just bad gear. Uh, So prioritize getting outside for at least 20 to 30 minutes every single day. So that's kind of what I have to say about headaches. Now, what are some of the overlapping root causes and additional explanations for lightheadedness? So some overlapping root causes would be the underactive thyroid again, the deficiencies in B vitamin, B vitamins, uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, and magnesium deficiency. We need so much magnesium. Like I think this is a crucial supplement that everybody can benefit from. Magnesium is the anti-stress mineral. It relaxes muscles around the body, including within the digestive tract. It's extremely important in energy production. It's a cofactor for building neurotransmitters and a very gentle, natural laxative to support bowel movements. Uh, Anytime that there's any stress on the body, magnesium is the first mineral depleted. We do not get enough from our food sources anymore. And for this reason, I will supplement with magnesium forever. Um, The ideal dose is five times your body weight in divided doses throughout the day, but not everybody will be able to take that much. It really depends on uh, your specific bowel tolerance. And for general overall weakness, a lot of root cause explanations I've already mentioned a lot of them, but potassium is a big one here. And looking at the entire drainage funnel, and if there is congestion anywhere in that funnel, so the colon, the liver, the lymph, then we will see this symptom of this general overall weakness. Potassium is a powerful, powerful regulator of nerve transmission. And an imbalance in sodium and potassium can result in like brain cell instability. So higher levels of potassium are so important for improving our mood. And low levels of potassium are associated with depression, weakness, fatigue, tearfulness. Uh, The sources that I really like are nettle tea, coconut water, celery juice, and avocados. Nettle is very rich in calcium, iron, magnesium, potassium, vitamin C. It helps reduce stress-related inflammation. 
It supports the production of acetylcholine and serotonin. It's super nutritive. Like I ask any herbalist, they will probably tell you that they love, 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 love nettle. It's just this amazing nutritive herb that is so supportive across the board and it's extremely supportive to our adrenals. And if you have chronic anxiety, your adrenals are taxed and they need a lot of love. Uh, coconut water. So I love to mix um, cold, cold, cold nettle tea. So I brew it overnight. I, I let it come down to room temperature or I just stick it in the fridge right away. I, I let it, I need it to be cold, cold, cold. And then I'll, I'll do a glass of half nettle tea cold and half cold, cold coconut water. So it's kind of like this iced tea. Uh, coconut water is really high in potassium and magnesium. It's really supportive for our adrenal health. It's very hydrating to the body. It is going to be a little bit higher in sugar. It's a natural sugar, but still. Um, so that's why I like to do half a glass of nettle and half a glass of coconut water. And make sure that the only ingredient in your coconut water is coconut water. Like they add a bunch of stuff to it sometimes. I have no idea why. Uh, celery juice is also an amazing source of vitamins and minerals for mental health. So potassium again, vitamin C, folate, calcium, sodium, magnesium. Like these are all so important. They're cofactors in our neurotransmitter production. They're supportive to our adrenal health. They're just like these mineral balance is really, really, really important. Um, celery juice is also going to help strengthen bile, which is a very important digestive juice. It's important that we have strong bile to break down fats as well as to eliminate waste from the body. Uh, celery juice can also stimulate the production of stomach acid. It can support digestion um, in that way. It's also very anti-inflammatory and it contains at least 12 known antioxidant compounds that help to reduce inflammation in the body. There's this uh, product called Bumble Root Foods that is a great source of potassium. It has 958 milligrams of potassium, I think over 900. And the recommended amount of potassium a day for like what our body needs to function optimally is 4,500 milligrams. So as you can imagine, most people are very deficient in this and magnesium and sodium. So our electrolytes, super important. Uh, potassium is also better absorbed through food versus supplementation. So to give you an idea of like how to get to this 4,500 milligrams a day, um, that Bumble Root Foods drink, it's like a you mix it in, that's excellent, as I mentioned. Um, one medium avocado is about like 975 milligrams versus a banana. A lot of people are like, oh, what about bananas? Bananas are high in potassium. They are. They're not the highest, highest, but they definitely are. One medium banana has 420, 422 milligrams. Um, one cup of acorn squash is about like 485 milligrams. So spend some time Googling. This is what Google could be really helpful for. Not Googling our symptoms, but Googling like foods high in potassium. And then from that list, then Google how, my, how many milligrams of potassium in X food. And then from there, make yourself like a little list and pick the foods that you like and you can customize your way to get 4,500 milligrams of potassium a day from food sources. Mineral balancing is so important if I have not made that clear yet, if you have anxiety. Uh, and one of the ways that I ensure that my minerals are balanced is to never drink plain water. 
Um, so I do this by adding red mineral salt to my water. I will add a quarter teaspoon per one liter of water, or I'll add fresh squeezed lemon or fresh squeezed lime juice, not from a container, like fresh squeezed from the fruit into the water. I'll drink room temperature herbal teas. I'll make a big one liter mason jar uh, herbal tea overnight and let it come down to room temperature. And then I'll drink that throughout the day. I'll drink my nettle coconut water iced tea, uh, or I'll use electrolyte powders like the bumble root one that I mentioned. There's another one called LMT um, and Redmond Real Salt. They make an electrolyte powder called Relight, Redmond Relight. And you just want to make sure that when you're looking at, so all the electrolyte powders I've just mentioned are good, high quality. And you just want to make sure if you're going with any other electrolyte powders that you really like understand what's in them and the ingredients, because there are a lot of powders, electrolyte powders on the market that have some undesirable ingredients in them. Okay, I will stop there. One, my throat's getting a little sore <laughs> for talking for a whole hour. I could sit here for hours and hours and hours and just give tips and suggestions. Uh, but I know that this has been a lot of information and I really wanted to provide a mix of free or low cost things that you can implement right away while also explaining the root cause solutions behind the symptoms that you mentioned, some of which might be a little bit of a financial investment, but there are always, always free and low cost things that you can also be doing that will really move the needle forward. And that is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask you before you go. If you love today's episode, I would so appreciate if you left a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to right now. My goal with this podcast is to reach as many people as possible to spread awareness that anxiety is not this incurable disease. It's not something we just have to live with. It's definitely not just part of your personality. And there are body-based imbalances that need to be addressed in order to truly be free from chronic anxiety. With awareness comes action. And the more people this podcast can reach, the less people will struggle with anxiety. And positive reviews are the number one way to help new people discover the show. You are the best. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so, so, so much. One last thing, my legal medical disclaimer. The Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast with me, Taylor Jandro, is for general information and educational purposes only. And the advice and recommendations I give or my guests give throughout the episodes do not replace medical advice. The consumption of this podcast does not qualify as a practitioner-client relationship with me, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. Yes, I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. So please discuss any changes with your primary healthcare provider. Okay, that's it. Until the next episode, bye for now.